Welcome to Island Voices, examining the incredible history of the island of Manhattan and talking to the people who have made it incredible. If you're enjoying us on YouTube, please be sure to hit the red subscribe button at the bottom right of your screen and welcome aboard. Ladies and gentlemen, our guest today, though she isn't from New York, uh, has spent a good deal of time here working, living, playing, podcast guesting. And frankly, she fits in quite well. Someone who came out of the gate very strong way back in the last millennium, and to her credit, has maintained that pace ever since. In this tumultuous business, there are not a lot of ladies or men who can say that. Back in 1996, fresh out of the renowned Royal Academy of Dramatic Art in London, this ambitious, classically trained young thespian launched her professional career on screen in the provocative and very dark and, I think, sad film Kama Sutra which did more than open a few eyes. It set in motion a vastly prolific career in acting. However, it didn't all happen that easy. In the wake of this film, offers did start rolling in for this newcomer, but mostly for similarly provocative and risque projects. But this surprisingly savvy upstart in her early 20s, unlike so many others, refused to take that bait. She had the foresight at the very beginning to understand that that pattern could and very likely would lead to her becoming pigeonholed or typecast, which very often becomes a point of no return in this crazy business. Well, what did she do? Well, she exercised her options, which I have mentioned are always a good idea to have. And she turned to the real core of her training, which was in fact the stage. And from that point forward, established herself as one of the foremost theater actresses in the world crafting a mosaic of diverse and vibrant characters, a veritable trunk full of roles, including Bianca in Shakespeare's Othello at the National Theatre in London, and Gila in Harold Pinter's One for the Road here at Lincoln Center. She starred in Anton Chekhov's Ivanov, also at the National Theatre, and in Noel Coward's The Vortex at the Donmar Theatre, also in London. In 2014, she starred along with Ray Fiennes in George Bernard Shaw's Man and Superman, also at the National Theatre. And her 2019 performance in Present Laughter at the Old Vic garnered the highly coveted Olivier Award for Best Actress in a Supporting Role. And yet, in the midst of all that stage success, she has also been able to rack up credits on screen, including the dynamic and dangerous Alaria Sand in Game of Thrones, a show that a few people have heard of, as well as Exodus, God and Kings, directed by Ridley Scott and starring Christian Bale, among others, as well as the program that I know her forward. After the 30-day program, the graduates move for a week to a transitional wing before reintegrating into Gen Park. Oh, that's very ambitious. Unfortunately, we're going to need to clear both this and the transitional wing until further notice. But these inmates aren't a threat to anyone, and they clearly had nothing to do with the riot. We're on a complete lockdown. That means complete. Now, your transitional wing is where solitary confinement used to be, correct? You're well informed. Well, yeah, I suspect that... Eliminating solitary as a deterrent is what led to the violence to begin with. And we'll need it now to deal with anyone who was involved in the riot, so... You're going to throw 50 people into solitary? I have the authority and time's of the essence. You heard the man, Huey. Let's go now. Everyone. Warden Sophia Masri, who, in fact, took my job. <laughs> but only after I took hers, so... Wow. Listen, this lady kind of has it going on uh, and she's not showing any signs of slowing down. And the best part is she did it her own way. And for that, she deserves all the success she has accumulated in this implausibly challenging industry. 
So, Damas and Aaron, ladies and gentlemen, I am quite honored to introduce you to one of the finest and most accomplished actresses of our time, Miss Indira Varma. Welcome back, Mavrao. Thank you so much, Chance. That is one hell of an introduction. <laughs> Sounds well, very you came back a second time. I figured I had to, you know, <laughs> ramp it up a little bit. Uh, but it's all true. You're you're incredibly successful. And uh, tell us what's going on. Gosh, um, at the moment I'm in LA and I am about to start filming. I'm in quarantine actually, um, but I'm about to start filming Obi Wan. Um, which is very exciting mini series for Disney. And um, yeah, I feel like I've, I'm ticking off yet another epic TV series genre. Great. Um, Is this your first big travel trip since the whole COVID thing? Yeah. Apart from doing the second season of for life last year. Right. It's been really, it's really hard and it's a real heart pull because, um, I have to leave my family and we can't, you can't travel back and forth at the moment. So yeah. they're extended periods of time away. And that is so difficult, you know, and it's, yeah. um, it, it makes it really hard to be a, a mother and a parent in this profession, actually, because like, I think what's fantastic about our industry is that it does span the globe and, um, and more so nowadays, I think with, the expansion of, of Netflix and TV, you know, um, th- there's so much going on happening and, and the filming happens worldwide. And, right. but it's like, it's becomes harder and harder as a, as a woman and a mother, I think. How old's your daughter? She's 13. She, well, I mean, you want to be there. Of course. Yeah. She wants course. to be there, but she also doesn't want, you know what I mean? Like oh, she yeah, wants I've been to be in the bedroom <laughs> without me, but she wants me in the background somewhere. Yeah. And it, and your husband is an actor too? He is, yeah. We actually met um on Othello when I played Bianca and he he played oh god, what was the name of that character? We were lovers in it basically. He was well, um that works. Reputation, reputation, I've lost my reputation. Is that um I can't remember the name of the Cassio. He played Cassio. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So um yeah, it was amazing. And that was back that was uh, was that oh, the one you did in two thousand one? No, that was two, that was ninety seven. Good gracious, woman! I know, and we Whoa. yeah, we did an amazing world tour. Sam Mendes directed it. It was my first job at the National. Uh, Bianca's a tiny part, you know. David Harewood was a fellow. Sam Mendes directed the National, and it was back in the day when, and we don't really do this anymore. When theatre is like a calling card for a country. And so we we literally did a three a three month world tour, starting off in we opened in Houston, Texas. Wow! Did, we, did I just make that up? Well, no, I think we not it. No, no, oh, it was. You, you made up the pronunciation of it, but I don't think you made up that. I'll take your word for it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I got that wrong actually. But we opened somewhere in the states, and then we we went Tokyo. Uh, Beijing, Shanghai, Seoul, uh, Hong Kong. We went to New Zealand. We went to Australia. We um, ended up in New York in BAM. And wow. um, that was really incredible. It was so you amazing. got to know them pretty well. Yeah, we did. <laughs> tell me about um, your your background a little bit. First off, tell me the truth. Am I saying your name wrong? 
No, there's so many. Indira, Indira. I mean, I heard I heard one of those fancy BBC BBC things with yeah. you, and she said, Indra Indra Varma is with us today. Varma. She's an actress of extraordinary talent, <laughs> and I agree. But I'm like, did I say her? Have I been saying her name wrong? Well, I mean, in it's been, it's funny because it's it's um it's a you know as a uh, it's an Indian name, yeah. but because I was brought up in England. Nobody could pronounce it. I was brought up in Bath, which is a very white city, you know, and so they everything gets anglicized. Um, and you sort of then, whenever I used to go back to India, the kids would go, what is your name? What is your name? And I would be like, Indira. And they'd be laughing at me because I wasn't pronouncing my own bloody name. Yeah. Why? I have this thing about, you know, the fact that I can't pronounce my name properly. I mean, it, it is, the, the rhythm is Indira. Okay, so it's closer Indira. to Indra than Indira. Yeah, Indira. Uh, duly Indira. noted. Yeah. I, pronunciations have started to matter to me more in doing this podcasting, because there's a lot of languages, and saying it the right way, I, I really think is important if you can, you know, if you happen to know it, yes. change the context. But then do you not think it can be, because I'm a French speaker, because my mother's Swiss, and um, sometimes I get accused of being deeply pretentious by pronouncing French words properly within the context of English. And people just go, oh, come on. I mean, those kids who may, were making fun of the way you said your name might do that. But I mean, what's wrong with saying something the right way? Well, because is it not showing off? I don't think so. You're not going I mean, you, I mean, to speak another that. language, you know. I, I've been trying to pronounce things better and better. I do it extremely badly, but I do try to pay attention to it anyway. But also, like, just on another thing, right, we have, like, as you know, being interested in language and stuff, that which I am as well, like, we have the English language has adopted so many different words from all around the world. Right. If we right. actually pronounce every single word properly, we would be speaking in so many different dialects. It would sound nuts. Absolutely. So there is a there is a medium where you have to in order to keep to even know keep people aware of what the hell you're talking about. You have to do certain yeah. modifications on certain words. Agreed. But if you're yeah, saying, hey, well, if it's your name, kid, yeah, we, we can say it the right way. How yeah. does your dad say it? Say it exactly how your dad says it. Indira. 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 Oh, OK. Yeah, I got it. I got it. In, Indira it is. <laughs> <laughs> so. Tell me, give me a quick review of where you came from in acting, how you got in. You went to, you went to um, Rada, right? Tell me about that. Tell me how you got into it. Tell me what your yeah. initial uh, experiences were doing that. Like when I was, I remember actually very, very early when I was probably like at junior school. So that's like before the age of 12. My mum put me in a, a, an acting, a drama group. She basically used it as um, babysitting. So she would drop me there after school. And I was the first to arrive and they fed me. And um, I was the last to leave because my mum was working. <laughs> you get her money's worth, sure. Yeah, and I loved it because yeah. it was this mum and her younger kid. And she would allow me um, to go upstairs and sort of create a character so that when the other kids came, I would come down the stairs as like a, a 
creature or a clown or a sort of a someone who'd come off the street. It's really weird. I mean, it, it, I was very young. And also my one of my aunts in Switzerland is a drama teacher. And whenever we went on holiday with them, we we used to do improv and like, but not like, that sounds really pretentious. It was playing, you know, it was playing. So that was always there. You have a good sense of a variation of what communication is, I think. When somebody had asked you, um, about a, a character on te- you had seen it on television as a young person that had influenced you. You didn't say Meryl Streep, Lawrence Olivier, the Brady Bunch. You said Marcel Marceau. Well, actually, I didn't see Marcel Marceau on TV. I saw him in the theater live. Okay, but that was your. This is somebody who impacted you as a child. Yeah. Not not a speaking actor, but a mime. Yeah. I think it was, I mean, I'm sure the fact that my parents' um, English was not their first language meant that when we, you know, music was very important, dance was something that we saw, that I was, you know, um, introduced to, um, classical music, world music, all that kind of thing, but also uh, physical theatre and theatre that didn't use language. Um, and mine was one of those things. And in Bath, we have the Bath Festival every year in spring, which is around about May, June. And um, they do classical music, but they also do theatre and they have mime stuff. And also in London, you have the London Mime Festival, International Mime Festival, which is amazing. Um, and we used to go and see different performers from around the world. And what I loved about it is it's not just UK based stuff. You know, it it really is international. And and the fact that I was watching Nola Ray is also a famous Australian mime, and then Marcel Marceau, French. It's like these people are communicating the essence of being human, making me laugh, making me cry, making me feel different things, and and expressing very um complex and profound emotions, human emotions. And they're not even using words. And, and so I, I've, I've really felt an affinity to that. And I used to do these little, like, again, my mum used to sort of try and I think probably she knew that I had this interest. And I used to do little drama group things, other ones, where I used to enter these competitions every summer called Midsummer Festival. I was by no means one of the better ones. I mean, I and I don't know. I'm curious now in retrospect whether or not it was because I wasn't to the taste of the adjudicators. You know, like now with the Golden Globes and all that, you kind of people are starting to question, okay, so who are these judging panels? You know, who are they made up of? Oh, they're all the same kind of person. Hey, I've been thinking that the whole time, but you know. Oh, but you know what I mean. So, um, but I used to do a little mime, we had to do a solo mime thing, like a little piece of a monologue, a piece of a poetry and a bit of sight reading. And I just, I really enjoyed it. Um, and that's when I thought, oh, I'd love to be a mime. That's incredible. And and because it is, again, this is this, and it shows why, and I think it has a lot to do with why and how you're so successful on the stage, because there is so much more than just the words. And that, Oh, I totally agree. I mean, I, I feel, I think mime is still what I dream of. I never really was able to pursue it. And 
actors like Toby Jones and Simon McBurney are very much from that physical theatre school, which is kind of what I wanted to do. I I wanted to go to Lecoq. Um, and I, I was told, you know, when I was 17 and applying for universities and drama schools, that's what I wanted to do. But I don't think you can really go at 17. And and my school um, said, go to, Ra- not, sorry about the helicopter. Um, they said, uh, apply to drama schools. And there are lots of drama schools, um, accredited, well-respected drama schools in London. And I applied to four, and RADA was one of the ones that I got into. And and I I didn't even know that you could be an actor as a profession. And I didn't know what it meant. Because, and also TV wasn't really part of my upbringing. I don't know why. We had like one off a skit that was about that big and showed black and white. But um, yeah, and then I... I thought I was going to go to somewhere like Lecoq after RADA, but my teachers were like, oh, God, what are you saying? You're going to do some screen work. It's like, oh, okay. You know, when you're young and naive. She had some some foresight, didn't she? Maybe, maybe. (laughs) But I haven't let it go. I still want to do physical. Good. In your radio play, um, the the radio play that you narrated uh, of Virginia Woolf's adaptation the adaptation of Virginia Woolf's A Room of One's Own, you play her character who, who just goes by woman, correct? The woman? That's the character's yeah. name. Um, she's a young lady in the late 1920s who chronicles all her challenges, the challenges that she faces in trying to not just find a, 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 a profession, a trade, a, a, a means of actually working in the world, but just finding an identity in that world that's not even a hundred years ago. Um, and in spite of being an incredibly talented writer, sees all these roadblocks at every turn. She's asked at one point, do you have an introduction letter to come in here? <laughs> she yeah. Has a letter from a guy. Yeah. You know, I, I'm not a sheltered guy. I, I, I'm, I, I read a lot of stuff. I know a lot of history, but even that really struck me. Um, the 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 level of the 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 roadblocks to a young woman in in what to me is not ancient times you know it's the mm-hmm. 1920s late 1920s um that's important i think to get those stories out and communicate those stories to people today who are taking selfies and sharing them on instagram and have no sense that th- that is the way things used to be aren't they i i hadn't read any virginia wolf before i did that radio play and when i i read her it, it's essentially it's a lecture um that she wrote yeah. and um and and it was adapted brilliantly i think i and, and it was the first time i read it and it it i can't believe that it was written 100 years ago mm-hmm. and that it was still so resonant pertinent yeah yeah and one of the one of the things actually going back to the name thing is that there were so many writers of that time and before that time women writers that used they were either anonymous or they used a male name um so that they could get published 
you know, so, and, and I feel like, and, and in a different way, because my name is, when I was at drama school, my final year, you have that moment where you choose your stage name right. and it's whether or not you um, keep your own name or you find something else. And I, there's something about wanting it to be personal. I don't know if that's, again, a bit naive and sort of heebie-jeebie sort of hippie-ish or but there's something about I wanted my identity and spirit to be who I am as, as an actor. And so I kind of wanted to keep my own name. But I had some teachers saying, change your name because it's an Indian name and you're half Indian. And also you're limiting your um, possibilities by keeping an Indian name. And I thought at the time, I just thought, no, I'm, I'm going to be who I am. And hopefully my talent will shine through. How naive was I? Um, I? I don't think you were naive at all, Indra. I think you well, were right on. Well, I don't know if that's true. Because, I mean, like you were saying, calling cards, there is stumbling blocks every single step of the way. And I, I acknowledge that I am, I've been incredibly lucky in my career. But also, there have been countless opportunities that have passed me by because people have gone, ah, we're not really looking for an Indian actor. So they think, I'm sorry, and you think the name tagged you in their mind as Indian? Without a doubt. If your name was Smith, you think they wouldn't have said she, she looks like she may be of Indian descent. Oh, without a doubt. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, sadly, I think, and I think that's still, that's, I, I think that's changing now, obviously, because we've made such a, a hue and cry about it, but um, it's, we've been shouting about it for a very long time, all that kind of thing. Well, I think in 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 spite of that, you've done just fine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what um, you uh, th- there was a line in that radio play in the waters of the mind. It's impossible to sit still. I have a feeling you identified with that. Line. Yeah, <laughs> I do. Yeah, right? yeah. I, um, yeah. Last time we talked, you said uh, it feels good to be someplace that is ancient. Why is mm. that? Did I say that? What yeah, was it? I, what got was it the I got it on tape. What was the context? <laughs> we were it... talking about the history of London and New York oh. and so forth. And... Yeah. I suppose it's that thing of kind of, you know, when you, when sometimes when people talk about standing on the shoulders of other men, women, people, whatever, whether it's through your profession and your career or whether it's as a mother or as a human being, we are learning from others. And I think being somewhere, well, anywhere you are in the world has history or, yeah, has has a life, a history has come before you. And I think it's really important to acknowledge that and to respect it in a way. I think yeah. so too, and I think in in doing the the a, a room of one's own and material like that, you you are doing that in a lot of ways. You are bringing forth historical elements that people otherwise would not be aware of. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I also I have to I have to give a little nod to radio because um, we sadly the funding for radio drama is just gets cut all the time because it's not it it. You know, it's quite niche. Nobody gets paid very much. But actually, that's where a lot of 
good writers and TV writers and film writers begin. You know, they they'll write a radio drama and because it, it's very cheap to make. And then from there, that can propel them into a sort of a bigger format. And and I, I love radio because I feel that it's because sometimes in TV and film, you have to have the most perfect finished article or you have to jump through a ton of hoops with producers and studios and execs and all that. Whereas in radio, it can be much closer to what you yourself want to create. And and also, so I'm not, I haven't written for radio at all. I don't really write, but I feel even as a performer, that's kind of where I was given opportunities not to play Indian early on in my career, you know. And and I think the discipline as well of of being a voice and conveying story and emotion and all that stuff through the voice and not not sort of relying on your physical um attributes or physical expression is is a really excellent discipline as an actor again i think it points to why you're such a complete actor because you break down these elements the the element of movement and facial expressions and no voice and then the element of no facial expression mm-hmm. no visual and just voice and Honestly, I I really believe that's why you're so successful. Oh, well, I don't know. I just I'm just interested Normal. in it, you know. And like because I like at, at Rada, that's where I started to appreciate language because we did obviously we studied certain writers um, and genre not genres certain different types of writers that had made, had impacted literature and right. drama through the years and and that's where I suddenly started to appreciate it and um yeah doing Shakespeare I mean I always felt intimidated by Shakespeare even though I have done a few plays professionally it's still mammoth because it's like a different language um but then also I've worked with a lot I have done a lot of new writing and I had the privilege of working with Harold Pinter um as a writer as a director and as an actor actor as well he acted in you've worked worked very closely with him haven't you yeah and um and he's such a specific writer because he doesn't write naturalistically in in the most obvious common sense Mm -hmm. and yet when you watch when in order to perform it I think you have to be as real and truthful as possible in order to get the humor out of it and the darkness out of it um, and so I, you know, it's really amazing to do that kind of work and that kind of writing with the writer himself, you know. Um, what a yeah, good opportunity. Martin Crimp and David Hare and and it's it's Anya Rice as well. And I I love working with writers because it is, and I think it's like it's about music. Ultimately, I think all of this is about rhythm and music. I agree. It's a rhythm. Yeah. It's a vibration. Yeah. Yeah. Whether it's physical, like we have that it it's again, it's rhythm, it's music, it's dance is all those things. And then vocally, a sentence structure, like when I did the Bernard Shaw, Man and Superman, he uses punctuation like someone who was really bad at school in terms of grammar. Oh my god, my grammar is terrible. I we actually had somebody come into the national and remind us what a semicolon is and how it works in a sentence and a colon I couldn't tell you what it is now but <laughs> it, it works like music musical notes 
and yeah. um, you know rest and and it's amazing if you obey a great writer, you he's done the work for you. Yeah, they kind of know what they're doing. Yeah, they has do. has New York become a, a a second home for you, or is New York a place that you could live? Yeah, I I feel sad that I'm not there. I love I I like LA, but I hate driving, so it's a bit. It's a very but different dynamic. Out it's there. so different, and it, the fact that it's an industry town makes me feel a bit weird. Yeah. But um, I love New York, and I think I I wish I'd lived there in my twenties, mm. my late twenties. D- does it does it facilitate these things that you and I pursue? These these things in the arts and performing and miming and using your voice as a tool and does it facilitate progressing i mean i guess it does i i i would love to work i'd love to come and do a play there um i i've had a i I suppose i have a mixed thing about new york so the first time i ever came to new york was for reshoot for karma sutra so that was in 90 yeah new york huh yeah, and uh, well, for reshoots because we shot it in India, but then um, we just did a couple of pickup scenes or whatever, oh. and then, and that was my first experience of it, and I, I, I loved it so much. It it assaulted me. What do you remember about it? That's I a long time ago. It's Yeah, Sarita Chowdhury was. Um, she lived there, and so she sort of introduced it to me, and I just remember the cab, yellow cab drivers and her smoking cigarettes in the back of the cab, but you could do that. Yes. And then it was all that. And it was kind of stinky. It was summer. It was kind of cabbagey and the subways a bit stinky. Yeah. And um, it was still coming out of the stinky era at that point. So you yeah. still got some of the old stink. Yeah. But I kind of loved it. And then going over to Brooklyn and feeling the edginess of it um, and yeah, I, I, it was that edgy part that I that really appealed to me, and that it, it just felt so vibrant. And of course, I grew, I'd grown up a little bit on Taxi Driver. You know, like at, at drama school, you watch the Woody Allens and Spike Lee, yeah, and, of course, and you you get that flavor of New York, and it feels so glamorous in its rawness, and yeah. um, especially for a young person, it's not intimidating. The the sort of you know, the violence that was sometimes portrayed was exciting. It felt, it was like a head rush. Um, Yeah. I feel like there's a spirit, and I've said this to guests, I think there's a spirit in the sidewalks, a spirit within the soil beneath them. Um, The wind that blows there, the that seems to constantly blow all year, has been blowing for hundreds and hundreds of years before there were ever people living there and before there were ever buildings. I think that translates a certain spirit that gets inside people like it seems to have gotten inside you yeah. and, um, and inspires them. Yeah. And I just think also it's, it's, you know, Manhattan itself is tiny and all these people are squashed into this place and that, you know, and, and there's such diversity within that space. There, there seems to be room or rather people make room for themselves, no matter who they are or where they come from. You, you kind of have to, right? You have to. Yeah. yeah. 
I did feel like, because I worked there a couple of times, I, I did my first pilot. Actually, we did seven episodes of this thing called Three Pounds, um, uh-huh. which Nanny Tucci did. Yeah. Um, and that was in like 2006. And that was my first experience of living there for th- only three months. But right. I loved it. But I also, I was taking the subway and I, I was noticing that it's quite divided. You know, it, it is quite, certain people live here, certain people live there. Yeah. Where were you living at that time? Where'd they put you? Oh, I put myself in Midtown for a bit and then uh, a friend's kind of sublet. And then um, I had to go up to the Lower West Side, but kind of on the park, Mm -hmm. kind of in a very scruffy little flat with cockroaches. (laughs) Hey, near the park, though. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. You got a good good taste of it. I did. I did. I loved it. And I loved being there this last time as well. Especially, low, you know, um, staying in the Lower East Side, it feels so vibrant. Yeah, it really, it's coming back. It's 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 really taken a hit uh, this past year, but it always does come back, and it will. And yeah, um, you make sure you come back and do another play there so. uh, as well. I just feel like there's no, there's less of a snobbery there. Then you know? where? In, say the UK. Oh, okay. Or, or London. I love London. Believe me, I love London. Yeah. But there's, I think we still have our, which school did you go to? Uh, what's your family name? You know, so that if you are not of the UK, you know, we have the monarchy and you know, all that stuff. It, there's an identity that if you're other, you, yeah, I think, which is in a way it's kind of, potentially sad that the identity of New York or the US is not of its, that its origin hasn't stayed as strong. Well, the truth is the origins of Manhattan are, they're not just Dutch, but they're every, they're, they're Dutch, Walloon, French, German, Spanish. But I mean, before that. You mean the Native Americans? Yeah. Yeah. We don't, we don't have that, you know, like, it's like, the Native Americans have sort of their their identity has sort of not disappeared completely, but is not as strong. Whereas in the UK, it's very much still the U- the British people, whoever they are, right, even though right. complete mis- mishmash. Yeah, the Anglo Saxons—that's who they were. Yeah, and that that's their heritage. Well, that 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 idea of you know, class and caste systems and so forth is why many people left England and much of Europe in the era of that I'm studying in this 17th century. I mean, that's why they came here and they, they, a lot of them went to New England, uh, Boston area and, or Virginia and gravitated to New York because they didn't want to deal with that stuff. Wow. Right. And that's part of the story. So, well, listen, young lady, you yourself are living proof that one need not be from here to embody the indelible spirit of this incredible place. You do that as well as anyone. Mm-hmm. And you are a truly accomplished, independent, professional, and I commend you on all your success. And uh, we can't express enough how much we appreciate you sharing some of that with us. Thank you so much for having me and welcoming me. Absolutely. Good I luck love- and enjoy Obi-Wan. And Mission Impossible, right? Yeah. That's coming up. I mean, don't blink. Whatever you do, don't blink. Okay. 
listen, <laughs> I know you're going to be awesome with whatever you do. So I, I won't also, ask. I'll, I'll tell you one thing that I did, I'll plug on Hulu, is This Way Up, which is also, I did the second season of it a few weeks, months ago, um, which is is a comedy, Ashling B and Sharon Horgan. Sharon Horgan, you might know from Catastrophe, and she's she's an amazing producer, actor, writer. And um, we've done the second season of This Way Up, which is a really great little comedy show. Yeah. Oh, you're so busy. What about the seagull? I think they're going to bring that back too, right? Potentially. I thought it was going to go in autumn, but it, it might be next year. This is in London, right? Yeah. I mean, whatever happens, I will be doing a play next. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure you will. Well, whatever it is, you keep in touch. Let us know what it is, and we'll be watching. Thank you. See you. Okay, thank you so much for your time. Good luck out there. Bye. The one and only Indra Varma, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for visiting us again. Mavrao. Bidant. Folks, thank you so much for joining us. And if you're enjoying Island Voices on YouTube, please be sure to hit the red subscribe button on the bottom right of your screen to get every week's episode. Now, if you want to delve deeper into the history of Manhattan, the incredible history of Manhattan from 1609 to 1909, then you must join us for our primary podcast, Island. Available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and all major podcast directories. Climb aboard. History is cool. And we remind you to listen to the voices. They are the indelible echoes of the indomitable spirit of this incredible island. We'll see you next time.